Hello, everyone, and welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I am James Anderson, one of your hosts. And I am Colin Parker, one of your other hosts. On this show, we're going through the MCU in historical order, scene by scene, or day by day, until the end of time. Uh, I really like when we're doing the TV shows because that's the only time we add in or day by day. So it's like a fun little thing to let you know, oh, they're doing TV. I, I was working on a project uh, for our show that I'm not sure if it's a Patreon or just a bonus episode, not Patreon, um, Natreon. Is it, about, the, is it about The Mentalist again? Because we've no, been over No, this. no, no. That's, that's, that's strictly Patreon content. Okay, cool. um, uh, and I was listening to a 1931 episode, and we were, uh, we were like, uh, historical order, scene by scene, until the end of time. Just like solid, scene by scene. And I was like, that's going to change, baby. Like, but it hadn't yet. So, um, 1931 you know, of our show is what I was talking about. With the confused looks, I'm not sure. What. It's because you did cut out for a brief moment there. Ah, um, like it. audio. Like I could see your mouth moving, but there was just no audio. So I was like, is this a bit? I don't know. This is what you thought I was doing. This is what I was actually doing. Right. But you right. know what is not a bit? Uh, and what is not mm. on is well, it's not on Patreon. Oh no, that's why you're introducing me? Wait, Tay, seriously though, Tatreon. <laughs> no. What's in on the, it? In the Christmas season, like an advent calendar, but it's Tatreon? Come on. Am I just doing one? Are you, you just, just open Christmas stuff, tree? like a picture of yourself? And it's like, hey, it's day one. You're like in a It's hat. a Christmas tree advent calendar. You put peel yeah. back the ornament and it's That's different. It. That's pictures the one. Of That's the one. Yeah. And it's Patreon. different pic Okay. Okay. Uh I'm a I'm a little I'm like twelve percent more on board. Nice. Where were you before? Zero. It was zero okay. percent on board. All right. So hey, twelve percent. Like that's a is, vast improvement. It's a vast improvement from zero. <laughs> it's December ninth, uh, twenty twenty two. We have uh, sixteen days to get Tay fully on board with this. Well, not really. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't because think you have to get through the twenty fourth, and also people need to buy it before then. So we're actually just ahead of next year. Is really what it is. Yeah, there we yeah. go. Perfect. So we, we've got a f almost a full year to really. We have a guest, on and it's Tay. It's me. <laughs> I'm I mean, I thought that was obvious. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I thought it was fun to be super awkward about it, though. Um, no, you're good. I, I will say well, my favorite thing uh, is I'm always like, we got to stop doing long bits in the beginning because mm -hmm. you never know when it's someone's first episode. Like, just get into the episode. And then I, I'm frequently the one that's like, well, what if we do five minutes of this? Yeah. So, Who started sorry. Patreon? I thought that was James. That was me. No, oh, okay. I said Patreon. See, I said Patreon, and then I said Natreon, and then threw it away immediately and kept going because I'm all business. All right, it. Patreon. All right, so um, that's business Patreon. All Patreon's business. We have Patreon. to. So, we have to stop. Tay, thank you for coming on this very special episode of, of <laughs> <laughs> Agent Carter. We really need to break some serious stuff down, and mm -hmm. then I said that. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I'm just gonna get. I'm just gonna get into it. Uh, I did start to take plot notes, and then I abandoned it after I realized I was only eight minutes in and about a page and a half into my plot synopsis, and I just copied the MCU wiki. So if this lacks syntax, it's not my fault. <laughs> uh, we are. <clears throat> It's going to be uh, Agent Carter, season two, episode two. Um, you're going to start it at one minute, 17 seconds, and end at 38 minutes, 57 seconds. That one minute, 17 is the recap, um, or the re-Carter, if you will. Uh, and here... <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what happens. Morning begins 
And after a sparring session with Edwin Jarvis, Peggy Carter goes to the Auerbach Theatrical Agency and meets Violet, the girlfriend of Daniel Sousa. That was like 16 lines of mine. So anyways, we're doing great. Uh, the two converse and laugh. Though Violet invites Carter to the dinner Sousa planned for him and, and Violet. Woof. Carter declines. This pleases Sousa because he plans to present Violet with an engagement ring. They're so awkward. At the Arena Club, the Council of Nine meet, meet, and Thomas Gloucester and Hugh Jones tell Calvin Chadwick that they will no longer support his efforts to study Zero Matter and want him to focus on his senatorial campaign. Chadwick reluctantly agrees. However, when he tells his wife, Whitney Frost, who spent her day being insulted by the director of the motion picture she was filming about the decision, she is livid and decides to obtain the substance for herself. They put that up there, even though it happens later in the episode, and I applaud them for it. Carter and Sousa, after discovering that the body of Jane Scott is missing and her transporters killed, obtain a search warrant to enter Isodyne Energy Headquarters, but the receptionist, who is capital R and linked, but they don't give her a name, stops them, lying, saying that the building had a radioactive accident. Carter talks to Jason Wilkes, and he gives her a message to meet him later at the Dunbar Hotel for more information. He does not know that Rufus Hunt was hired to kill him. Refusing backup from Sousa and getting wardrobe assistance from Anna Jarvis, who rules, Carter meets with Wilkes, who turns the meeting into a date. Because he wants to be sure he can trust Carter before putting his life in her hands with the information he plans to reveal, and absolutely nothing more than that. Just that one thing. <laughs> the two dance and talk about Carter's past and Wilkes's upbringing before he shows her a film he stole documenting the origin of the zero matter that Isodyne Energy has. They decide to steal it. They decide to steal it to take to the Strategic Scientific Reserve for study. Suddenly, Hunt and his team attack the two, but they escape. Carter sends a distress beacon to Jarvis, who is entertaining Anna by chasing Bernard the Flamingo, who also is linked. And he alerts Sousa, <laughs> forcing him to cancel his date to investigate. When Sousa sees the shell casings at the Griffith Observatory, where they didn't mention they were, but they were there, he deploys every available agent to find Carter. Meanwhile, Carter and Wilkes continue their plan and infiltrate Isodyne Energy Headquarters. As Carter fights Hunt and his men, Wilkes puts the Zero Matter in a containment vessel. Frost enters and, at gunpoint, orders Wilkes to relinquish the substance. The two fight, and the container falls and shatters. This triggers an implosion, because Agent Carter only does implosions, which absorbs Wilkes and attaches itself to Frost. Due to the nature of the implosion, Wilkes is presumed dead, which saddens Carter, period. Which saddens Carter is the understatement of the year. So, that's what happens generally in the episode. Mm -hmm. I have Boku stuff, and also a silly question, and also a, 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 another whole topic of discussion. Uh, that we need to have that I hope both of you will notice that part didn't make the synopsis. Certainly uh, didn't. Right. I don't know. Tay, I don't know if I've mentioned this to you, but I'm pretty sure that the main editors of MC Wiki are German. And I don't know. What? Why are they German? That's I, I contacted the guy who got some press on Reddit for doing sort of a timeline-ish sort of stuff like we did. And I asked if he wanted to be on the show and he said, no, but you should have the people that do the MCU Wiki on. But they're mostly German, and I don't know why <laughs> oh, that is, no. but it's hilarious when they describe, there's a basketball game in Cloak and Dagger, and they, you can tell what they mean, but they use none of the words that you would use if you were actually describing right. a basketball game. Wow. Like, what if a soccer presenter was watching a basketball game because he was subbing in for something? 
You know what you've just described is the people watching uh, Space Jam every year on it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I excuse me. I know plenty about basketball. I I know enough. (laughs) The so where should we start? We also have a segment which is separate from anything else we've ever we've mentioned uh, uh, thus far. So it's gonna be a it's gonna be a bit of an episode, but we're gonna get through it quickly. Mm-hmm. Should I do Avengers Ensemble? Should we have? A, I want to hear what you guys thought, but but after we do that, what should we do next? What do you think? Uh, I'm, oh. I'm gonna let the guest choose. Me, oh, this isn't right. my show, guys. Right, I don't know. Mean, uh, you did say that it was your show. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, That's true. Right before we started recording. Tay was like, "It's my show now," and we gave all the sheets over. We're no, we don't long, we no longer have access to them. You're I'm right. still this editing. Is but... my show? Yeah, you are still editing because I don't want to do that. <laughs> but um, yeah, you're guest on my show, <laughs> right? Thanks no, for um, us. I mean, I honestly uh, feel like you should. I don't know if this is necessarily how it works normally, but I think you should do Avengers Ensemble first. Okay. Because then we can just like full chat, dig into everything that's going on. That's a good point. Avengers. Special remix. Oh, God damn it. Now I've got to make a remix version. (laughs) Come on. All right. Um, So this is the first time we've actually looked at anything from season two, episode two. It is called A View in the Dark. Uh, it aired on January 19th, 2016. It was written by Eric Pearson, who also wrote Season 1, Episode 2, and has no updates to his life. And Lindsay Allen, who wrote Season 1, Episode 6, and she also has no updates to her life. Man, these people just died immediately upon finishing their episodes. To specify, that sounds always so bad, but you have to remember that we just talked about those episodes like maybe two months ago. So it's like in the in the two months in which we've yeah, last yeah, spoken yeah. about that. Oh, episode, I see. There's nothing new. So it, sometimes it sounds really bad, but it's like we just heard about that person maybe three episodes ago. It right. sounds yeah, like so they like, died. <laughs> it, it does sound a little bit like they're like, and they're now an unsuccessful career. So yeah, yeah. What's going on with that? No, we're not. This is awkward. But directed by Lawrence Trilling. Did she die? No, I'm joking. He's still alive, or he oh, was. James. The Anyways, you can't sorry. do that. That's, uh, that's he, inappropriate. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, he directed uh, season one, episode one, uh, and he has had no updates to his life. I believe he also directed other things. Um, he did have an update to his life, pretty big one, where it was the end of his life. I'm joking. James, I'm joking again. stop. You can't. I already, said, I already said, okay, all right. So, okay, Violet is played by Sarah Bolger, who looks like someone else that I don't know who it is. Maybe, maybe Natalie Dormer. I thought I recognized her, but I looked up. I looked her up. And I didn't know what she was from, uh, but that's the fir- that's the first of like two or three times that has happened in this episode. Um, she was on forty episodes of Mayans MC, which is that Sons of Anarchy uh, spinoff biker show about uh, I think it's you know Mayans, Mayans motorcycle club. So, anyways, I think the Mayan man was in the guy who played Mayan oh, man was in that or, or someone amazing. We've seen someone in it before. She was on sixteen episodes of Once Upon a Time, which is probably where I saw her from. I was always oh, losing my mind. I was like, where is this girl from? I know her <laughs> face. What is she in? She's Aurora, right? I think so. Okay. I think so. Yeah. It's the only time when Frozen has has, has appeared on something where it ruins the thing. Um, I found that that show- <laughs> You didn't like the stuck. Frozen arc? You didn't like the Frozen arc? It was too soon. It was, it was too, too soon, soon and had too it was little like Rumpelstiltskin. Immediate. Yeah. 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 
Oh, uh, if Rumpelstiltskin had been up against Elsa, I'm in. But they didn't do that. So, And Hook was fine, but like Rumpelstiltskin. Okay, anyways. Uh, and then she's also in a movie called Stormbreaker, but it is in no way related to Thor at all. It's just called Stormbreaker. But I thought that was funny. All right. Uh, Rufus Hunt is played by a guy named Chris Browning. Um, he is in the new uh, God of War game, uh, Ragnarok. Uh, and he plays Surtur. Do you know? Oh, okay. Uh, he is in Escape from Area 51, uh, The Unhealer, which is a funny name. Uh, he was in the movie Bright, which is that Will Smith cop oh, movie, but yeah. the, uh, some of the cops are ogres, literal ogres. Um, he was in one episode of Timeless, which has the guy that Chris Ewell knows, two episodes of Westworld, one episode of Supergirl, I don't know which one, three episodes <laughs> of From Dust Till Dawn, the series, one episode of Castle, one episode of Bones. Now You See Me, seven episodes of Sons of Anarchy, Cowboys and Aliens, The Book of Eli, and Terminator Salvation. Wow, booked and busy. Eddie, who has a name, but he's credited as concierge, even though he literally is named Eddie Eddie. in like the only line addressed to him, is played by a guy (laughs) named Robert Buscemi, no relation, who was in one episode of American Horror Stories, and a short film, which I wrote down specifically for you, Colin, called Thank You Five, um, which is a thing that happened in Colin's drama. No, <laughs> no, Aaron, Aaron confirmed that it happened for you two, you just didn't pay attention. Yeah. Don't don't give me that, guy. Mostly it was just, yeah, I, I was told where to go, probably by Aaron, James, get on stage. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, okay. Thank you, Aaron. And she's like, oh, he's doing the thing. And I was like, I just thanked oh, my just friend Aaron. Thank yeah. <laughs> just thanked my friend Aaron. I was just being polite. Thomas Gloucester, who they never call Thomas. They do call him Tom. <laughs> um, they don't call him TG either, but it's the 40s, so that'll come. Uh, he is played by a guy named Casey Sander, who is the second person that I thought I knew from something, but I I, I don't. I thought he was Major Dad. He kind of looks like Major Dad, but um, is not. He was in one episode of The Orville, one episode of Big Bang Theory, one episode of Silicon Valley, a.k.a. Hipster Big Bang Theory. He was in one episode of The Mentalist. There it is. Uh, one episode of Sons of Anarchy, two episodes of Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, one episode of Buffy, one episode of Fresh Prince, which I do count as a comic book uh, piece of work because of the colors alone and DJ, DJ Jazzy Jeff, one episode of Quantum Leap, Predator 2. He was in the movie Dragnet, which is based on a TV show and a radio show, and also in one episode of the TV show, which was based on one, on the movie that was based on the... Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he was in the TV show that was based on the Tom Hanks movie. Right. Yeah. He was in one episode of Airwolf, one episode of Knight Rider, which is like Car Airwolf. No, it's not. And one episode of V, which was a sci-fi uh, miniseries back in the seventies. Um, just as this is a quick note of order for Colin, the editor, uh, you can edit this part out if you are wrong. But I did almost lose my shit because at one point you said it's like what California Big Bang or what did you call it? Hipster, hipster Big Bang, hipster Big Bang. Big Bang. It it sounded like you said Bing Bang Theory. Uh, yeah, no, I did. Okay, it did. It didn't mean to, but I and I, in my head, exactly, Tay, I went bing bong in my head. I was trying to uh, blast past the joke so it would be funnier, and then sure. instead, I just flubbed my words, and and now we're still on it. All right, so, <laughs> sorry, Joe Byron. Let's move on. What do you want to tell Joe Byron? What do you want to tell Joe Byron right now? Hey, yo, take me out to dinner. Oh. Bing bong. It's a thing. It is a thing. 
I don't know what I'll it send is. You the video. Get on the internet, oh. James. I know, James. Dang. I'm on the internet looking up stuff for Avengers Ensemble. <laughs> and we're back in. <laughs> uh, director Kenneth, who is on a clapboard as Kenny Kenneth Z. So I started calling him Kenny Z, which is kind of like Kenny G, KG. which is that guy that, yeah. Correct. Uh, played by Randy Sklar, uh, who is one half of the Sklar Brothers, which is a very funny comedy team. They're twins. They look alike. Uh, he was really? in four episodes of Crazy. What We Do in the Shadows, two episodes of Better Call Saul. Oh. Uh, he was in Citizen Toxie, The Toxic Avenger 4, which Stan Lee and James Gunn were also actors in. Oh, wow. um, and which, uh, scrolling down to see if I recognized anyone else, um, does look like it just it just morphs into a softcore porn, which is... It, yeah, um, no, it does. It's weird. Yeah. The, I mean, um, all four of those movies are weird, but like that one really. It's like they go to like a gynecologist convention that turns into a beauty pageant or something. Uh, you know. I don't remember. I, I just I remember, did this I based strictly on role names. So, yeah, it's weird. you know. Um, hold on. I decided to start eating. <laughs> Why? You're the one presenting. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of waiting for one of us to talk. <laughs> oh. I right. decided to start eating in the middle of my own I mean. segment. <laughs> all right. Uh, and he was in the band Sick of It All. Oh, no, wait. Like Sorry. Molly. He was in the movie Sick of It All. Um, that was a That's a punk rock joke. Uh, the singer uh, at the club is played by Kirby Lauren. Or Lorien. There's a Y in the middle of the Lauren. And I don't know. Not where you think. Not where you think. Not Lorenny. Uh, her only this was her only acting gig, but she gets a composer credit for the music videos for the two songs that Kanye and Paul McCartney did back in 2015. What? What? Did your four or five seconds get on the yeah. internet? Guys? Yeah, no, but I mean um, that's it's just a wild. Yeah, it's super random. <laughs> yeah, she composed it. She wrote all those songs. I don't know what that means. I wrote. I wrote. She gets a composer credit because I don't know in what way that's she could possibly be. Yeah, I'm. Endlessly fascinated. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she also gets a composer credit for a Keisha Cole video. Uh, and she gets a writer credit for a Brandy video. Wow. Um, I love that for her. Yeah. They're good for her. Yeah. And she's uh, a hell of a singer, too. Like, yeah. She, yeah. Great. she, she rules. Um, the next character is named, is credited as restaurant owner, which I feel is incredibly generous mm. for what they could have called him. <laughs> um, so I put it in air quotes because I'm snarky in my own things. Uh, is played by a guy named Nick Hoffa. Uh, he's Jimmy Hoffa's son. <laughs> what a dumb joke. All right. He was in three episodes of Law & Order True Crime, one episode of Castle. He was in Law & Order LA. He was in Sons of Anarchy, where he played a security guard. He was in one episode of Monk, one episode of Alias, and he was in the video game LA Noir, where he played patrolman Victor Zimmerman. I mean, Colin having the same reaction to LA That rules Noir. because just, I think it was like last week or two weeks ago, we recorded an episode where he mentioned something that I thought he said LA Noir first, or I got, oh, it was LA Confidential. I got those two mixed up for a split second. And I was like, I love that game. And James was like, that's a TV show. And I went, what? <laughs> oh, right. Oh, movie, whatever. I had wow. to flip it around. Uh, I'm going to skip down to the EMT, X who is a guy who literally just says something inappropriate about like the body like the dead bodies yes. at the uh it's played by a guy named patrick quinlan he was in the movie velvet buzzsaw and he's not the first person in avengers ensemble to be in velvet buzzsaw yeah um we've talked about that before he was also in law and order true crime he was in one episode of westworld one episode of scorpion one episode of uh 
Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, one episode of Body of Proof, and he was in the video game L.A. Noir as Patrolman Carl Radcliffe. So in my headcanon, Patrick Quinlan and Nick Hoffa are best friends. So Love. that's just a, that's just a bit Wouldn't of uh, headcanon. I mean, like, you know, I hope they hey, are. Patty, I got this job being a restaurant owner. You mean a racist donut club guy? Donut club? Donut club. Anyways. <laughs> donut club is what I'm calling donut. What do they call it? What do they call it? Ooh. Donut shop. There we go. The Isodyne supervisor, who is the guy that looks like he's going to have a major role in the plot of the episode and then doesn't Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. at all, is played by a guy named Christopher Kex, K-E-K-S, smooth jazz. He is in one episode of Welcome to Chippendales, starring Kingo himself, Kamal Nanjiani. He is in the movie, movie adaptation of Live by Night and the TV movie CSI Immortality, where I can only assume the whole team becomes vampires. And speaking of vampires, Schlubby Man, Schlubby Man is the name of the guy who is going to the donut shop because he's so schlubby, is played by a guy named G. Maximilian Zaru. Wait. Sorry, Zaru. That's so sad. They characterized him as Schlubby Man? Schlubby. Schlubby Man. Yeah, yeah. I was like, who is this Schlubby Man? And then he gets out of his car to go into the donut shop, and I'm like, oh, no. That's... (laughs) Honestly, That's terrible. sad because like I now feel like I would be credited as Schlubby Man. They could like, have just called mm. him Donut Man. Why <laughs> Why Schlubby? Man that who doesn't th- know. Is yeah. that even a real word? They yeah, just made that to it hate is. him. That's so no. brutal. It's a real uh, word, but the thing can you imagine is, um, hating someone some... so much you have to make up a thing to describe them? Schlubby. <laughs> I'm, I'm Vincent Schlubberstein, and oh. the word Schlubby was named after me. Um the makeup artist in the in the movie, the in on the IMDb, it's credited as this like blonde girl, but mm-hmm. the makeup the guy who actually does Whitney Frost's makeup and touches up her makeup is in the parlance of the credits of this show, a similarly schlubby man. And I would like to assume that after he got off work at we're doing makeup on the set of the movie, mm. he's like, I'm getting my my post makeup donut. It's pre union, probably. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I just want to say. Teamster. That, oh, go ahead. No, oh, finish, no, no. Your, finish your bit. <laughs> it's not a good one. Okay. <laughs> I just want to say, I looked up the definition of schlubby. Yeah. yeah. And it's uh, poorly dressed, untidy, or unattractive, typically used of a man. So, Colin, you stop that right now. You You are excellently dressed. Socially awkward, unattractive. Clumsy. Oh, okay. Oafish. Mm, Oafish is me, so back O-fish the hell off. Oafish is a great Get one. Get all the way off my back. Timeline right. Schlubbingers. Um, <laughs> no. That sounds like a family restaurant. All right. Um, <laughs> Man, that poor guy. I hope he's okay. Yeah. All right. Do you think we, he was like really excited about that and then saw the bill and the went, credit. no, actually, they cut my part and like didn't want his family to watch. He was like, they call me Schlubby. Um, I'm actually... A, a big G Maximilian Zaru fan. One, that name is just like bold. And two, well, let's read on. Uh, he played a vampire clerk in one episode of The Mindy Project, which isn't about vampires. But yeah, I'm what? Not sure. <laughs> um, he was in a show called Urban Tarzan, which should be the name of a comic book. And he was in one episode of a series called Strange Angel, which I included because it's fun to say. Mm. Now here's his mini bio because it rules. 
G. Maximilian Zaru is a comedian and actor born and raised in Los Angeles. That's right, he's from here. He's the one. Growing up, seeing everyone he knew fail in show business, he decided to become a public school teacher. After nearly 15 years of trying to use impressions of Cary Grant to teach fractions and making fart noises to teach the history of the Roman Empire, he turned these considerable talents to acting. In addition to his many TV and film credits, oh. he can be seen performing musical puppet improv regularly with his team, The Sound and The Furry. <gasps> I'm going to say that again. That the sound rules. and the furry. Yeah. Wow. That's or, awesome. Or, or you can or? watch his other improv team, presumably Sans Puppet, <laughs> Space Boat, at their monthly show. Space monthly. Boat. Monthly. Monthly wow. show. Presumably not as regularly as the sound and the furry. The sound and the furry is a very good name for a puppet group. Like, probably the best... Uh, William Faulkner novel pun you could do for a puppet-based improv group. Yeah, I, I like Probably. it so much, and yeah. it makes me angry. Um, that is Avengers Ensemble. Um, I have done research on judo, atomic energy regulation, the Dunbar Hotel, East Coast Swing versus the Collegiate Shag as dances, and uh, stuff for Marvelous, Marvelicious, uh, The Song I Want to Be Loved, a little bit about the Griffith Observatory. Um, so all that is stuff that we could maybe cut uh, some of, which is fine. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the episode. What are some things that stand out to, to you both, starting with Tay, about this episode? Um, this was the first episode of Agent Carter that I ever watched. Okay. So lots of just like missed context, but mm -hmm. uh, also extremely fun to watch a television show that way. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, just some vague first impressions. I love Wilkes. I love Wilkes. I Wilkes want nothing rules. but good things for him. Um, and obviously that is not what happens. This poor, beautiful man. Um, the clothes oh. is, are all of the clothes are so good. Yeah. It's, they stepped it up this second season with with the clothes for sure. Yeah, the the jumpsuit she's wearing at the very beginning, I'm like, I would wear that now. That is so yeah. cute. Um, it's really fun to see Jarvis <laughs> just like as a person. Yeah, it's great. I love that. Um, Sousa, 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 Sousa. Uh, so Uncle him Sam. and him and Peggy just like had a, a secret thing, or what's the deal there? Give me so the context. We. He was in love with her, kind of. Kind he, of. Yeah, he had he had strong feelings for her in season one. Okay, and she was still hung up on Steve Rogers. Heard of him? Sure, 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 um, sure, sure, sure. Then at the in the season finale, she dumped uh, Steve Rogers' blood into the river, and that was a sign of closure. So then they won the thing, and so he asked her out, and she had to actually go look at a new apartment with her roommate. So she's like, oh, can I get a rain check? I got to go do something. And he was like, got it. And then he moved to L.A. or something? Right. So then, so then six months later, he moved to L.A. And now it's six months after that. Oh, um, so it's been approximately so. a year. It's been about a year and three months. Okay. Um, and so he now has a girlfriend right. that he is proposing to at in days. But it's still very obviously longing over Peggy in a way that is like, 
His Which coworker like, is like, yo, she yeah. cares for her differently. I'm like, you know about his partner. What are you yeah. doing? Why are you okay with that? Rose is um, a little bit of a Greek chorus in, in some of these uh, okay. some of these episodes. But uh, Violet rules. And like, she I love Peggy. Seems you know. Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> she's lovely. Genuinely. She's precious. She made cookies. She was like, come to this dinner. You have to come. I like you so much. Right. Yeah. She, yeah. I mean, she deserved she, better, but like, it's also what I think is unfortunate is that like, yes, I think he was kind of running away from his feelings, but like what is kind of the case is that I feel like he didn't feel any complication until Peggy was back around. Sure. Because he didn't seem to be having right. doubts about his feelings for Violet. Um, for Violet. I almost called her Ashley for some reason. I have no idea why. <laughs> Ashley uh, Green. Yeah, uh, for for I keep I'm did, almost did it again for for Violet, right? Like I feel like he was like, because like I mean, again, he bought the ring before Peggy was there, right? Peggy's so, like, been been here for what, like two months, three months? Two it's days. Not been very two days. Two days? Oh yeah, she's, my god! She's been in L.A. for two days. She oh. starts the season uh, in, in New, New York. York. Oh yeah. my god! So yeah. you know, to me, it's like he's like, okay, like I've moved past that. Like I've 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 moved on. Right. But she um, comes back and he's like, oh, and I think it's I think it's unfortunate because I think what it is, is that I don't think that. I don't know, like maybe this is slightly wishful thinking on like my part, but I I've sort of to some extent kind of been mentally in a place where you're like, ah, but what about that person? Right. Mm. And I think a lot of the times what it is, is that I think you have moved on, but there's a little bit of like that, like there's always, I think, a what if. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also like. I think there really wasn't closure on that as well. Sure. So I feel sure. like what he really needed was just like an answer for what happened, mm. not to actually go after her. And so I feel like it, you know, the 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 situation here is unfortunate because I think it's kind of like a Hallmark movie where it's unfolding in a way that could have been avoided if there was just proper communication. Right. It's All so are interesting. Like it's the Christmas time. All songs okay? are like when we'll we're meet again. <laughs> And yeah. all TV shows are like The Mentalist. I think that we've got we've got our yeah. down. Don't roll your eyes. You just you just had the formula right right there. You nailed it. Yeah, I do find it fascinating that she doesn't really see like she doesn't seem like she is that hung up about it. Well, okay. So one thing that you that you missed at the very 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 end of episode one. Okay. She's first of all, he's looking excellent. He is like <laughs> in season one, he looks fine. Okay. Let me see if I can find two different pictures. LA, LA upgraded excellent. him. Excellent. LA, LA. West suits Coast him has in a done way. good for him. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, so she comes and she's like, "Oh, okay." Noted. And sure. so she, they get to the end of their first, like the first episode is like you know, kind of like the first little mystery sort of deal. They get to the end. They're back at the at the at the office, and she's like, "I could sure go for a drink." Let's go for a drink. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I can't, you know, next time or whatever. And that then, was in the previously on, right? Right. And she then like he goes out and kisses Violet. Okay. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So she's a little bit into him. Sure. And he, it's sort of like the ships in the night sort of deal. Got it. Got it. Got right. it. Got it. Okay. Interesting. Um, but also then Jason, Jason Wilkes Jason come along, Wilkes. Comes along like Beautiful a Mack truck. Beautiful Jason Wilkes. <laughs> I love him. He pulls off nerdy and cool. In a way that is so rare. Yeah. Like Tony Stark doesn't pull like no, no he is singular in the MCU, as far as I'm concerned, about he's the nerdiest person and also the coolest, best 
suavest person at I the really, same time. Yeah, I really, really love him. I have watched episode three. Yes. Because of the way we recorded these. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I have I, feelings. I want to encourage you to continue to, to, to finish out the season because it goes a place. It goes a place. It goes. It sure does. It it takes his character on. He's on a bit of a journey. Oh, yeah. He is. I just want him to be happy. Yeah. You know. Corporeal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Hang on a second. So real quick in our group chat, I'm going to drop uh, two pictures uh, from. Hang on. Oh, shit. Hang on. I got to remind myself which one's which. Um, I'm going to drop in two pictures uh, from season one. The thing is drastic. This is uh, season one. This is season one. So this is like what he was looking like in season one, right? Um, And like, you know, again, I don't think he... Hello? Let me... Hey, wait on bated breath. Here it goes. Okay. There's the pictures. So he doesn't look bad, but like, you know, just the way that he's dressed, you know. Sure. Susa proves something that I have learned from The Mentalist, which is a vest is a very attractive piece yeah, of clothes. Yeah, I was going to say, he literally just put on more clothes and somehow that no, but makes those, him but, but those attractive. are both season one, right? Yeah. And I think oh, these are those, both season one. Yes, yeah, and then yeah. these two are uh, season two, where he's got like slightly mm. quaffed hair. Mm-hmm. He's got the Hawaiian shirt on, mm-hmm. you know, and like the kind of nicer suit jacket. He's got a little bit more confidence, it looks like, yeah. honestly. Also, his jaw is like popping. Yeah, 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 yeah. He like filled um, out in his face a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So like he's, I, I feel like, you know, he's looking, he's looking like, you know, the, the California sun is doing him some good. I yeah. see it. I see it. Um, yeah. So, I yeah. mean, like, genuinely, like, the first moment he steps out of the car in the first episode of season two, like, yeah, if you watch like season eyes. one and then you see season two where he steps out, you go, okay. You kind of are <laughs> yeah. like, all right. Wow, yeah. Susa, look at you. Upgrade. It's very yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, For sure. Okay. So that's good context to have. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jarvis and, oh, what's his wife's name? Anna. 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 They're adorable. Yeah. It's like he's he's like she's so like secure and also just like enamored with all of his weird little nonsense. I'm like, this is great. I love this relationship so much. And then she's just like she comes and helps Peggy with like what to wear to this club. She's like, oh, those don't work. This one. It's better. You should wear this. It's so cute. Uh, Hold on just a moment for a second. Just a second. Jarvis is married to an Eastern European redhead. Yeah. Like Vision is married to an Eastern European redhead. Oh, no. Wow. Wait, that's so fun. I wonder if that part was on purpose. Paul I mean, it's Bettany. 2015, so that's post-Sokovia, uh, right? So, mm-hmm. Yeah. So that might have been uh, purposeful. I've never, ever thought that. I've before. never thought wow. about that. That's very fun. That is a very interesting connection. connection. I'm going to say Anna, Anna all day uh, versus Wanda. I'm just saying. Wow. That is wow. that is the hottest and spiciest take. It's also here's, deeply incorrect. Here's here's why I think yeah, why I understand you're coming from. <laughs> Anna has not committed wrongs. Sure. Right. You know, like 
Scarlet Witch is powerful. Like she, like they're both badasses. But like, if you were like, I'm gonna get into a fight, I think we know who you would want to fight by your side. Mm. However, okay. I think we also understand that if it was like, okay, but like just a little bit of emotion is involved. You know, like who do I really want to like go be around with this like emotion stuff? One of them is a little little more well adjusted in that regard. Also, I, you know, the other one went through a little bit more. Right. You know, there's a lot. There's a lot. I to think it's there. not necessarily being well adjusted because it sounds like Anna has also been through a lot. I think it's just she, that's she true. escaped the Holocaust. That's yeah, true. yeah. Of yeah. And Howard Stark. Yeah, yeah. I think too, it's the it's just like sort of like a. a, a a different kind of trauma. <laughs> yeah. Right. And and I don't and also they don't need to be in competition. I'm sorry right. that I that yeah, I, right. trauma that Olympics I, is I, fake. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've talked about it before on the show, and I know Tay has definitely said this recently. I maybe even in a timeline episode, but like <laughs> I support women's rights and women's wrongs. Yeah. Uh so like honestly We said that about Whitney Frost. Yeah, yeah. That, sure. That's right, that's right. And you know, we that will have said that. A, it's actually in the future. Oh, we recorded gotcha. it in the past. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Jesus. I like that's something that this show, I think frequently does um which is like this show frequently proves like uh, or rather sorry this show frequently has women being the more competent people in like in every situation um keeping with and, the genre right and it but like the thing is is that like i feel like it's a it's it's always earned right like, i agree i like you know not I'm, I'm not trying to sound like one of those internet dudes right but I think that in general, in any kind of movie or TV show, there's always people, and there, it happens with men as well, where people just sort of like, they're just they're just there and suddenly they're way OP for like no reason, right? There's no explanation as to why they are somehow like years above everyone else, right? Mm. Um, but like in all of these situations, it is explained and it is, it's done in a way that makes total sense. Um, and it's like, it's, it's like relevant, I think is the way of saying it. Like, it's not like, you know, they are pulling in like a brand new fictional source of something. Yeah. Right. Which is weird to say, I guess, because it's a fictional story. But I mean, like, I feel like I'm kind of floundering on my own response. But I think uh, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. I think Hawkeye is an interesting uh, look at this because Kate Bishop is is not better than Clint. No, no. In in most ways, but they don't do it in a way that he, that he's like, "Ha, you suck." Whatever. It's like right. she's. They turn it into like she's learning. She has a lot of potential, and then they also have Yelena there to be like a little bit of an after photo, a little bit of a it doesn't matter sort of like personalities matter, and and fighting skills can sometimes sort of fall right. by the wayside, sort of stuff. We'll sure. get to it, but like I was trying to think of a situation where they would portray a woman as less like a lower level of if we're talking like D and D, like like a lower sure like class like class level or whatever, but not in a way that's like women are dummies, which right. is like mm. a sort of a seventies sitcom sort of crummy like bewitched uh, yeah. sort of bullshit where it's like you should just uh, straight up murder him but that's a whole other thing well i do want to talk about whitney frost since we mentioned her please, because please. the the like intro you get to her in this episode is her just absolutely carrying this scene on her back from whatever this movie is and then yeah. they cut the scene and they're like great job man 
who yeah. did nothing the entire time. Take right. five. You saw his back. Yeah. <laughs> you, the woman, you're old and ugly <laughs> yeah. and you need to skip lunch. <clears throat> yeah. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, this poor woman. Um, I so, want to yeah. point out an Easter egg real quick since we're on the movie. I'd never noticed it before. So Whitney Frost in the comics is a character named Madame Mask. And she is a love interest of both Tony Stark and uh, Jasper Sitwell, um, oh. who is a character that we will meet later. Um, and her face is horribly, horribly dis- disfigured, and so she wears a golden mask sure. on her face. The movie she's filming, I happen to pause at the clapboard, is called The Woman with the Golden Mask. <gasps> Fun! And I... I'm very pleased that they did that. That's, That's a very good. good good thing to do. Also, it's the quite third good. day of filming, which means that she started filming like the day before the season starts, which is kind of fun. Mm. That is fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. For that to happen, and then we we also got the scene with, uh, what's his name? Chadwick before. Yeah. 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 Where there's just oh, a- later, right? Is that- no, because she he goes to see her in her dressing room, right? And she's just been right. like, okay, yes, dressed down by that absolute terrible man, um, yes, who continues to be terrible in the next episode. And yes, hmm. yes, yeah. I think uh, that's where my you, head did was. you finish that episode? I did, I did. Okay, it's, good. It's then great you know what that, happens to him. Yeah, <laughs> my notes for that were fun to take today. That's part of the reason why I was like, did you guys do that one already? Do they include like, this- the words? Fuck that guy? Yeah, yeah, they do. They for sure do. <laughs> Honestly, it's uh, just the worst. Just simply the worst man. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Every man in this really either terrible or on extreme thin ice. There's no in between. <laughs> Jarvis. Jarvis is okay. Jarvis and, is like the exception. Yeah, yeah Jarvis sure. is the exception. Yeah. Um, But yeah, for her to like, it's so interesting for them to have this like dressing room clandestine meeting because he's just there in the yeah. shadows and it's like, it's over. And she's like snaps comb and is very angry. And I'm like, yeah. why? Fascinating. And like yeah. you find out what, which I appreciate. I assume there's like a lot of mystery that happens this season, but it seems like this being the second episode, they get into like the meat of it pretty immediately, which I kind of appreciate. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's kind of like a, the first half of the season, in a way, is like the mystery, mm. and then the second half is the adventure. Yeah. Okay. Like there's, it's like most of your action happens in the second half, yeah. whereas there's a lot of like spy intrigue. Like we're solving this mystery, we're getting the pieces, and then at that point, there's no more pieces to like figure out necessarily. Right. It's just how do we get to that end goal, sure. which I right. think is very fun and like yeah. a good way of balancing it as well. So it's not just like constantly. The same type of thing? Yeah. Season one was more of a like, here's a weird thing, and here's a weird thing too. Here's a third weird thing. And then they, they sort of like cinched the, the the purse together and it's like, oh, they're all Right. They're all the same thing. It's just yeah. Yeah. Um I want to talk, especially actually, first of all, Anna is the most secure person in this whole show. Oh, the most for like, sure. So uh we start with um, I want to wrote I did I did save my description of the first scene because uh, I, I was happy with how I wrote it and also it was a great scene to start. So Peggy finds Jarvis lifting weights in a black wrestling uniform with black socks and boots. 
He tells her that he's been training since the events in NYC last year where he got knocked knocked, knocked yeah. out. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, he wants to demonstrate how good he is at fighting skills. I wrote that intentionally, and I'm very happy with it. So he taunts her until she flips him on his back. Uh, he taunts her in a way that made me feel so, like, brother-sister. Like Yeah. Their dynamic like, is really sweet. Ha, mm-hmm. ha, ha. He's like a... <laughs> like a um, Daffy Duck in the in the um, Robin Hood that Robin Hood Looney Tunes where he's like ha ho pin spare spin mm-hmm. parry turn spin thrust and it's like he's just like all over the place. It feels a little bit like the the classic like I'm not touching you I'm not touching yeah. you like yeah. it has that energy to it. Yeah, yeah. But then she 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 fucking flips him like hard and then but then he, he she's like oh you know keep practicing or whatever. Uh, that's a Michelangelo reference. Michelangelo reference for Colin. Uh, and then he flips her on her back because yes. he has been learning judo, and he immediately is like, like pinning her right, right there, like nose, basically almost touching nose. Mm-hmm. And that's when Anna comes out, and she's just and like, "How's it going?" She says literally, she said so. Uh, uh, they are like right there face wise when Anna comes out to greet them. Anna could literally not care less about this compromising position because one, she's the coolest and two, it's his patented tortoise of fury. Love when someone names a move that they do. Um, kind of <laughs> makes you, makes the video game easier. Also, Anna has this to say, which is a spicy, spicy take. Uh, and it is uh, up here somewhere. Hold on. He's. I put something in all caps and they keep coming to it, and then I I lose it. Hold on. Uh, he's never more lethal than when he's flat on his back. Is sexy. That's a <laughs> that's a that's a that's a sexy line right there. And I think it reflects something that we've already uh, covered at this point. But like uh, another piece of context for Anna and Jarvis, by the way, yeah. Tay, is that the like within ten seconds of meeting Anna. Um, or sorry, of of meeting Peggy, really. Anna goes, uh, you know, like to Jarvis, she's like, because he starts to walk out of the room and she does this to him and he comes back over, he's like, oh yes, and he goes to just sort of give her like a peck and instead she full on makes out with him to the point where like they are like no less than two, three feet away from Peggy. And so it's like kind of like a very much like a, I'm pretty sure we all know where we stand, but just to be sure, this is just my FYI. man. We're all cool? Good, good. Yeah. I've established I my dominance. We're good, but, right? Yeah. And it Jarvis, was, it's great. Yeah. And and Jarvis is like, he doesn't quite lift up his foot, you know, like, you know, yeah. like in a movie, but it's almost like that. Like, he's kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, well, oh, <laughs> and then he's flustered. He's like, oh, I'm terribly sorry. She, she, I, I think he says she's feisty there or something like that. Yeah. He says, he says something that's very much like, oh, she's not always quite so. <laughs> and then just very British is off into the corner. You know, what's oh. funny is it, it's a, we could be describing that like 2010s or like mid 2000s, like I'm not going to say the word schlubby, but kind of like a, uh, a Seth Rogen in the mid 2000s plus a like very, a very traditionally attractive woman romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. We could be describing that, but Jarvis is so meticulous and neat and like mm-hmm. put together, but he's also a, a uh, uh, you know, a, 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 He's a, a boiled nerd. asparagus sort of, yeah. of like, yeah. and like it, it just works so well, and it's not condescending to anyone, and I really, really appreciate that a lot. So, yeah. 
They're fun. They're super. So, um, let me do let me do a little bit of a uh, research sharing, and then we'll get back into get back into it. Uh, he says that he's been doing judo, and he's he's found himself to be quite the judoka, which I thought uh, either was going to be made up, or is a correct thing for what you call someone that does judo. And it is the second one. It is a judoka. And when they're in their, when the judoka is in their uniform, it's called, they're called, a, it's called a judo gi, which mm. is fine because it's gi. It's, yeah, yeah it's whatever. Gi, but sure. you just put judo in front of it like it's Odin. Odin says. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Judo means gentle way. It's an unarmed modern Japanese martial art and it's an Olympic sport. It is an Olympic sport since 1964. So not yet because Jarvis is. As we'll talk about with the dance moves, he is up on like cutting edge stuff. Um, sure. It's the most prominent form of jacket wrestling competed internationally. And I didn't look up what jacket wrestling is because I came up with a theory that I was satisfied with, which is that it, that is opposed to sumo wrestling where you don't wear. Uh, right. Sure. Yeah. Like yeah. karate is probably also jacket wrestling. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Because it's not exactly uh, it's it's odd to call that a jacket, but I totally get it because it's not yeah. a shirt. It's yeah. for sure not a shirt. Yeah. So. Everyone who does it, they're jacked. That that was dumb. No. All right, Judo okay, was thank you so much for coming on the show, Tay. Oh, thank you. I will go. Thank <laughs> you so much. Created in 1882 by Kano Jigoro as an eclectic martial art, which is a fun kind of kinky little sort of martial art, eclectic. distinguishing itself from its predecessors, primarily Tenjin Shinyo Ryu Jujitsu and Kito Ryu Jujitsu, Jujitsu, due to an emphasis on Rondori, which is free sparring instead of kata, which is like your prearranged forms, um, which is fun because learning forms is uh, often quite tedious. Um, alongside its removal of striking and weapon training elements, uh, judo rose to prominence for its dominance over established jujitsu schools and tournaments hosted by the Tokyo Metropolitan Police Department, resulting in its adoption as the department's primary martial art. Now, listen. Cops are cops are cops, but I do like the idea of them hosting a martial arts tournament, and then whoever wins, that's the martial art that the police department adopts for the year. And I think that's a very fun like this year. Cool. All right, well, judo won, so that's it for this year. And then it's like, you know, maybe next year taekwondo can be. And they're like, this is Japan. Like, all right, uh, uh, judo's philosophy because taekwondo is Korean. Uh, judo's philosophy revolves around two primary principles. Siryoku Zenya, which is uh, maximum efficient use of energy, and Jita Kyoe, mutual welfare and benefit, uh, which is cool. Um, then uh, the someone is talking. Uh, Calvin Chadwick is talking to uh, Major Dad and uh, Hugh Jones about. Uh, it's not Major Dad, but he looks like Major Dad. Um, about not shutting down Isodyne, and he says uh, this zero matter. Uh, nuclear nuclear energy is not even regulated yet, and zero matter basically blows it out of the water. So it's 1947, and I wanted to look up like when it was regulated. when nuclear regulation happened, and it looks like it was uh, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission was established as an independent regulatory agency under the provisions of the Energy Reorganization Act of 1974. So oh wow, wow, we're a still long a ways way away. away. Yeah, we are in 47. We got to transpose those numbers before we get any sort of nuclear regulation. Um, <sighs> The Council of Nine, upon which Hugh Jones and Major Dad are on, is original to the show. Uh, the right. Zero Matter test, which we see, uh, uh, we see the date it was filmed on the tin. It was filmed on October 4th, 1946. 
fun quick piece of trivia, that's the exact birth date of Susan Sarandon. So <laughs> Wait, down to the year? 10446. Ten, yeah. Yes, oh yes, my yes. god. That's wow. People have called Susan Sarandon the zero matter of Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> I love Susan Sarandon. That, I don't even know what that means. Nothing. But it it's true. Nothing. So uh the Dunbar Hotel. What she's a it, yeah. Unstoppable force from another dimension. Correct. Susan Sarandon. Double S. Uh, the Dunbar Hotel, originally known as the Hotel Somerville, was the focal point of the Central Avenue African-American community in Los Angeles, California during the 30s and 40s. Mm. Built in 1928 by John Alexander Somerville, who named it after himself, it was known for its first year as the Hotel Somerville. Upon its opening, it hosted the first national convention of the NAACP to be held in the western United States, which is an important qualifier. Uh, in, the, in 1930, the hotel was renamed the Dunbar, and it became the most prestigious hotel in L.A.'s African-American community. In the early 1930s, a nightclub opened at the Dunbar, and it became the center of the Central Avenue jazz scene in the 1930s and 40s. Oof, we are going around and around. The Dunbar hosted Duke Ellington, Cab Calloway, Billie Holiday, Louis Armstrong, Lionel Hampton, Count Basie, Lena Horne, and many other jazz legends, which we talked about in the music in mm-hmm. 1931. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, <clears throat> Other noteworthy people who stay at the Dunbar include, unsurprisingly of this whole list, W.E.B. Du Bois, Du Bois, uh, uh, Joe Lewis, Ray Charles, and Thurgood Marshall. Uh, former heavyweight champion Jack Johnson, also acoustic singer-songwriter Jack Johnson. That one's a joke. In the same name. <laughs> also, former heavyweight champion Jack Johnson also ran a nightclub at the Dunbar in the 1930s. Uh, and then it uh, is no longer a hotel. It was renovated in the 2010s and is now part of a larger residential community named Dunbar Village. So, pretty, pretty depressing. Wow. So, um, I I guess I want to stop here because we're going to get into, I want to have a discussion about uh, the Dunbar Hotel and how many white characters on this show talk about how they went to go see shows at the Dunbar Hotel Mm -hmm. or to go dancing at the Dunbar Hotel Mm -hmm. or actually go to the Dunbar Hotel and just sort of are there with no, with, you know, no issue on anyone's side yeah i don't know i don't know how to how to how to frame this because it's a little bit sort of like white man in the hammersmith palais where it's like we all like the music here sorry sorry that's a clash song about uh joe strummer going to a reggae uh concert at Mm. hammersmith palais where he was like the only white guy there it's a little bit Kind of like, we all like this music. We all like this dance music. Let's all have a good time. You know? And then that's it. Yeah. And I just, I guess I don't know. And I'm not asking either of you to know. (laughs) But it feels, I can't tell what it's supposed to be. So is, I guess. Is the hotel black owned? I think so. Okay. I think it's black owned and run. I mean, that sure. would make sense. Like, I don't right. know why there would be that specifically. I mean, if it's a place where like famous singers are going to sing, um, it would kind of make sense to me that people would still like white people would still go there. Right. If they appreciate that music. Right. Um, yeah. It looks like uh, Somerville was uh, a dentist and also African-American. Oh, yeah. So um, dentist owned as well. I also like, I mean, Wilkes suggested suggested it because it was 
both a public place and a place where they wouldn't be like looked at weird for just having a conversation. Right. Right. Um, and so I think in that sense, right. Like I think as long as it's obviously a very black space and as long as the white people who were there were chill, because I'm assuming there's some sort of bouncer or something, you know, Um, I think I feel like as long as they were if they were chill, then it was fine. You know, I mean, the assassin Rufus Hunt was there and he he was chill like he he didn't do any attacking or right menacing or anything. I feel like that was sort of out of respect in a way, you know, yeah. Um, I think that this is also like a, maybe, maybe the word to use here is like a foil, right? To the donut shop, mm-hmm. right? Like you have two extremely different spaces. Sure. Um, one of which is, you know, very clearly leaning one direction. Um, I mean, I don't know why I'm beating around the bush. One, one place where it's very clearly like it is white as hell mm-hmm. and, the people there are racist mm-hmm. and feel a certain kind of way. You know what I mean? Uh, whereas here, you know, I, I also think that when you have a like a, a nightclub or or a bar or what have you, a music venue of any sort, I think another thing to consider is that like even in today's society, right? There's going to be people who are maybe okay. I, even if you're a little racist, you're racist, right? But I mean, like, there are some people who are like vehemently like violently racist and then there's people who have like it's more of like ignorance kind of stuff going on but like i think that there are going to be times where people who will be like i like you know uh like black athletes black musicians kind of thing right and then the minute and then the minute that they sort of in, I'm putting this in heavy quotes. Speak out of turn, mm-hmm. right? As in, like what what they think, not what I would think. Yeah. Um, they're kind of like, hey, whoa, just play Stick basketball. To your, yeah, Stick right. to your lane, yeah, yeah. right? Like, you know, uh, it's like suddenly they're not allowed to have that voice. Like, they then want to police like people's bodies, people's actions, words. So there might still be some people there like that, but like I think that a lot of the times, like if you're an incredibly racist person. You're probably not going to go to the like famous black, black venue club, yeah, <laughs> uh, to like hang out because I feel like you just know you're going to go there and be miserable the whole time, right? But also, I feel like a lot of people who are feeling that way are very like pearl clutching people, exactly. So they're not going to want to go because not only do they want to not have a good time, but I feel like they're also going to be like, oh, they don't my feel life is in safe in yeah. those venues, right? Right? Yeah. Um, even though they're perfectly fine, you know. Um, Which is interesting because the, the donut person. guy is alone, right? Yeah. There's no one because it's late anyway, at night. So he can say whatever he wants to be saying. Right. Because schlubby guy isn't someone... there yet. Oh, right. Okay. I was like, was there not a guy at the counter? I, it was just the one that I remember. That's so weird. In my memory, there was two people with a third person that enters. I'm scrubbing. And it, I don't know why. I wonder if I've made up a second person. or a I third think you're person. thinking of the painting Nighthawks. <laughs> no. but okay. No, because it's like an intense zoom in. On the no. man as they walk in. Gotcha. Like, okay. Um, have I just, either of you seen a, um, the painting Nighthawks? Um, yeah, no, yeah, I got it right there. <laughs> no. Um, oh my God. Spike Lee, the guy throws the thing through the window at the end. 
There was that thing through the window. Fight the Power is the the Public Enemy song that was on it, and it was called Do the Right Thing. Do the Right Thing. I got it before I looked it up. Um, It's a very sort of do the right thing zoom in where it's like intensely like this guy is in my face sort of of zoom. which is it's weird because it's almost like it's a standard shorthand for this guy's about to be super racist. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, kind you of know what's weird fascinating? There's kind of a very similar zoom in on. Uh, I think it's just like a general like hatred thing, right? Like someone's about to be mad. Uh, okay, thank you, general hatred. Um, because they did that in so the episode that we aired the same day that we recorded this episode um, was from. Season one, episode five. And at the very beginning of that, Dottie Underwood is like smiling and stuff like that when she's like talking to Peggy. And the second that her back turns, they do a zoom in on her face as she like slowly drops the smile into this like very clearly like deep seated rage. Right. And it's like, it's the same thing. Like they kind of start pulled out and they just slowly pulls in. It doesn't quite get as close, but it's the same thing. Like, I think you can always, t- like, it is sort of like a thing to represent, like, ooh, they, they're mad. Because yeah. I feel like you don't really do, like, you don't really, like, get that close if someone's about to be like, ha, 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 I'm having a great time, <laughs> right? Like, feels a little weird, right? To yeah. be like, but it feels If you unhinged. did that, it would be like a, like a um, David Lynch thing where it's like, ugh, you're, you're clearly yeah. having a good time, but I'm still sort of unnerved. That's true. Well, yeah, at yeah, that yeah, point, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, it's definitely to make you feel unnerved and feel, yeah the tension i guess of what what's about to happen um by the way and, uh, Tay, the the second half of this season also has Dottie uh, underwood from the first season and another reason to continue through the end of the season is that she also rules so <laughs> she she's great yeah um so um i mean this whole series is just like you know strong ass women yeah. and just like barely competent men <laughs> Um, just like struggling to keep up or even Um, like like howard stark and jason wilkes who are the you know the brilliant men they are are also a little bit bumbling uh, like uh, in certain in other regards like socially being sort of ethereal cut this i guess because this is before that happens but like yeah it's sort of a fun symbolic thing where it's like howard is also sort of that too not literally but Mm. like he kind of is like because he so, he's frequently like there and then not there. He yeah. just sort of disappears. You know, it's like in the, like he, he's, he's there in the season star. premiere and also the season finale, and then that's yeah. it. It's like it's where all, is what he? what is that? Um, Actually, this season he got to be in more. That's true. Um, so the the thing though that I that I would sort of want to, I don't know, I, not want to. Sorry, that sounds really weird. But like. We should we should talk about what happens with the with the racist donut shop. That's what I was going to get into. Yeah, yeah. yeah, basically, it was because like I mean, I wasn't necessarily going to get like in. I mean, if you want to get into like yeah, word I just for word just moments be, of it because that's fine. yeah, the the synopsis didn't have it. Basically, they're on the run from the Rufus Hunt and and the people that are hunting, huh. and uh, <laughs> that's where that word comes from. So they are basically I th- I think of it as them sort of slowly going downhill. From the yeah. observatory, like down and down and down and down, and basically they've wrecked like two cars. They pull a a Mac and 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 Deke where they cut into a, an alley and turn off the lights like they did in in thirty one. I know that's a mm-hmm. standard car thing, but we've actually already talked about that on this show in a prior decade. Um, and they need money for the payphone because it's the forties. Um, and so the only place open is the twenty four hour donut shop, which sounds awesome, right? Well, uh. 
so they walk into Bullock's uh, all night donut shop and basically he's like, he he does the thing where it's like, ma'am, are you all right? Yeah. Even and though then, she's the first person to speak. Right. Right. And she seemed, uh, yeah. So basically then he's, you know, awful. He calls Wilkes names that aren't the names you're thinking of, but are still really. He calls him boy. Yeah. Right. And then Peggy's pissed, and and Jason Wilkes buys an eclair. He does buy an eclair. He does buy an and eclair. He's like, that guy sucked, but it. this yeah. is a good donut. <laughs> yeah. Wait, did I say that on the chat? Or just to Colin? Because you just... Hold on. I said that almost verbatim to, to Colin. Me? I'm pretty sure just Colin. Like, that guy sucked. Man, this donut's good. Like, <laughs> It yeah. might have also been to me. I don't know. Maybe remember. it was, yeah, yeah. But yeah, and like there's a, so I want to talk about kind of, is this a scene that is set up to make Peggy like, oh, wow, she's so good? Oh. Is this a scene to set up that's like, boy, the 1940s racism? Is this a scene that also establishes that Isodine's the only place that hired him? Yeah. Which is, it's a weird, it's like the um, uh, the communists or the the Nazis or the communists dropped like leaflets down on the troops that was like, why are you fighting for a country that doesn't think of you as a person? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is funny, I mean, not funny, but like ironic for the Nazis right. to do, but like yeah. trying to get deserters or whatever. It's a weird thing for like an evil scientific company to be like, yeah, you know, we, we'll we have very man, open hiring practices. Yeah. Um, or is this a thing where it's an accurately portrayed thing and Wilkes buying the eclair and enjoying it is his handling of the situation. Like you work for me, I give you money, you give me eclair and I'm going to enjoy it. Yum. You give me cookie. I give you cookie, man. And like, um, the way you said, you gi- so I give you money. That, like, you this is, you know, I well, think I, it's, so I don't really know where I don't know what combination of that this is supposed to be or in what it turns out to be. <laughs> I think it's all of the above. Like I I mean, like, I don't think it's wrong to say, like, you know, look at how Peggy reacts to this, right? Like, it's not that they're painting her as a saint, right? I think it's just the continuation of her character and portrayal. It's her personality. From, from like yeah. things like, you know, um uh I mean, even back to Captain America, right? Uh I mean, we've there have been very few people of color in the 40s uh, portrayed and stuff like that, right? But like she's and dealt Peggy's with, interacted with all of them. <laughs> that's true. But I mean, like, but Peggy <laughs> has interacted with uh, minimum, at least uh, that we've seen on camera, two in uh, two black individuals in the Howling Commandos. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, so we Marita. already know. Uh, yeah. Well, right. And then also Marita. Um, so like. Oh, I forgot about Ramirez, actually. That's, that's embarrassing. But like, you know, but she's been around people right but like specifically in this regard like she's been around black people and has not treated anyone right. differently right so yeah. like and i get that that is not i think the most common experience obviously in the 40s right so i don't think it's that they're trying to be like oh look at how good she is for doing this i think it's just like that's who peggy is mm-hmm. like right. she just sees people like as people um kind of like maybe what we're hoping the people at the club are like you know what i mean mm-hmm. um but like this is I think a little bit of everything. Um, I think 
the thing with this scene specifically, being that it's so short, it it to me just feels like um less of a like because Peggy's not really doing anything that indicates savior in this moment besides like being right. upset about it, right? right? Which is like fair I, mm. because Wilkes was also upset about it in the moment. He was like, she's fine. We just need change for the phone. And then he continued to be rude to him and racist. I say rude. It's like he was rude right. and racist. They're both the same right. um, in this instance uh, because the, <laughs> the rudeness stemmed from the racism. <laughs> so, um, but I think in the moment for Wilkes is he's just kind of like, I think he's letting it go. And he's yeah. like, this isn't a Claire that I'm enjoying purely yeah. because it's, it's a common occurrence for him. Right. Right. It's the forties. Like he's experiencing right. this a lot. Um, I think what I find interesting about Peggy's response to it is that she's like, this guy sucks. I'm going to take a bite of this donut and throw it on the ground. And then yeah. also talk about how I want to punch a lot of people in the city. And right. I get that because she's presumably, I mean, besides like sexism, right? Which right. she's obviously experienced in some contexts. Um, and she had to like get to where she is now. So she's probably experienced it in a lot of different yeah. ways. It's different, right? So she's probably not experienced this directly, even though she is treating people the same. The last what? time she did, she was in the war fighting Nazis. So she did punch and shoot the last right. racists that she was encountering. Right. What I also think is very fascinating, and I just put this together, hearing it come out of like Tay's mouth instead of like having to, I guess, actively think on it on my own. That sounds weird. I, I guess it's that I needed someone else. You're making to, a oh, black woman teach you again, no, 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 Colin. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. No, I meant more of it's like once this it got like painted in a different, yes. like it's like the words got rearranged. I was like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Or like hearing it back kind of thing. We also just witnessed this at the end of season one, right? Which I think is very interesting, right? In in a different way, not about racism, but there was a situation in which Peggy was sort of constantly being overlooked and like being mistreated because mm, yeah. she was a woman, right? Mm -hmm. And she was kind of like, I'm so used to it. It doesn't bother me, right? Yeah. But then the oh, person right. that was interested in her was kind of like, doesn't this make you mad? It makes me want to go punch that guy, right? Susa was like, I want to go punch, I want to go punch Jack, basically, right? Yeah. She's like, it doesn't matter, right? Like, I, I'm experiencing it all the time. It's typical, right? What's interesting is that now she has someone that she cares about experiencing kind of the same thing. And she's like, wait a minute, I want to go, you know, punch someone. So it's like, she's kind of mirroring the same reaction that she once got. Like, I think it's a thing of like, I think that a lot of the times, you know, if it's something that you specifically are used to, you kind of learn your specific way of coping with it. Yeah. Right. And then the people who don't experience it constantly, even if it's similar, just, just this time it's, you know, that thing of like, you can talk bad about yourself kind of thing, but like the second- You can talk bad about, your, you can talk bad your, about friend, your friends, but if you're, if somebody else talks bad about your friends, you're like, no, shut the fuck up. Absolutely yeah. Not. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, like, if I talk shit about myself, I'm like, it's fine. Like, no, I, I, I deserve it, right? No, but then if, if James starts to talk shit about himself, I'm like, you stopped it. That's my friend. Oh, I see what yeah. you're saying. You oh, okay, okay, okay. Right? I think yeah, it's yeah. the same thing. It's like you're experiencing this thing, and you're like, oh, it's it's whatever. And then now your friend or the person you care about, you're like, I must protect. Yeah. Get in here. You're like, you know, <laughs> you know, holding them tightly, like, stay away. 
Yeah. Do, do both of those instances have any element of I, I didn't care about sexism until I had a daughter sort of stuff? Like you, you're talking you about like Sousa really has strong feelings about Peggy. And so he notices that she's being mistreated and is really oh. pissed off all of a sudden. No, I, I kind of get the feeling that he probably has been like this before. But I think that I because, again, part of the problem is that the only time we've ever seen Sousa when we first meet him interacting with a woman is with Peggy. Sure. Right. I, I have a feeling that the way they are trying to portray it is a situation of, again, she knows that racism happens, mm-hmm. right? Um, but like, I think it's that thing of she hasn't been around it specifically a lot. Yeah. So it's just like, I think once she does see it in action, she's like, oh, wow, that actually, that, I mean, I know it sucks, but like seeing it, you're like, wow, that fucking sucks, right? Yeah. So I think it's the same thing with Sousa where it's like, I think he knows it happens and he's like, I, he gives me the impression of being the kind of guy because they're always like the way they rib him about like oh are you sweet on her and like he's just better so he's like oh I don't know you know um, but it's like I feel it's that same thing right I feel like he probably has before been like all right come on like let's not call the women you know the b word or whatever sure. it's like you know it's, they're like Broth. oh what what are you one of them you know it's like uh, you know like it's the guy who's like not leaning into the to the to the toxicity or whatever you know I mean, kind of being on the outskirt the first time we see him he does like. We anyways, we don't need like right. he, it's 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 a weird thing where it's like you want to see like I would love to have scenes where Sousa interacts with other women, sure, like in this Violet. season or where Peggy. I can't think of other... her interacting with uh, Happy Sam or. Uh, uh, it's very so, brief. Um, the co- the conversation that she has with Happy is like minute. Um, but I mean, like I, again, because they know each other, like they, 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 like she introduces people like to me, that means that she's dealt like we've just, there's, there's been off screen stuff. Right. Um, love to see it on screen though. I know. I fully agree. Just so, Um, just for comparison's sake, like not even for like, like non tokenism or whatever, but just like to show a characterization of like, this is how you are with your friends and this is how you are with the love interest sort of deal. Um, I don't know. And I, I only have one other thing to say, but I also don't want to monopolize any kind of time on any of this sort of thing. But I will say, like, this is this scene in particular is like one of those ones that like, you know, uh, I, I feel like depending on who you are, it can maybe stick with you. Right. Like. I think for a lot of people, they probably when it's something that you don't experience, I think a lot of the times it's easy for you to move past on or whatever. Yeah. But it's like it the, the second I saw that scene. Right. Like. Uh, both the first time I watched it and when I was rewatching it, all it does is like remind me of like it, like that kind of behavior is still today. Yeah. It's 2022, right? I, I, you know, I have um, a former partner of mine uh, and I, we were an interracial couple and like experienced it many, many times. Mm, it's like white outrage. Mm. Um, and just like the reactions to like in 2020 when people were like, very actively like, I can't believe. And it's like, we've been saying for yeah. years, it's you like, know, yeah, like, yeah. you're just not paying attention. Um, yeah. So it, I, I want to say that like in the moment, because I'm looking at the scene too, that like Wilkes is like, she's like, I want to punch that guy in the right, right eye or whatever. And he's like, he's not a rare specimen. Like this is, right. this isn't a. Do you, do you think Peggy learned something from this, from Wilkes? Like, do you think that she listened and 
took in information and 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 learned or do we not see is that not shown or whatever i mean i don't know if it's that big of a moment Mm -hmm. in the sense Mm -hmm. of like like he's experiencing a very casual like racism in that moment it's you know and especially in the 40s like this was probably a more common occurrence um and so i don't know necessarily if it's like I mean, I think she probably learned more just talking to him about, like, his life and, like, right. the things that he had to do to get to where he is. Right. So, you know, yeah. I don't I don't know if it's necessarily, like, if this moment is, like, meant to be a teaching moment mm. so mm-hmm. much as it's just, like, this is a thing that happens. Right. And, like, it's, it's not terrible um, or, like, weird. Like, the thing that, I don't know, for me watching it, the things that, like, even a little bit gave me just, like, pause I guess is like like the things that I was like oh like my brain would just like twinge a little bit is uh when Sousa called the club he he's like said something he's like oh it's a it's a place where like coloreds go and I was like coloreds oh my right. god right. uh but it's the 40s and then right. um obviously when he called him boy I was like ugh, ugh. like right. it's just one of those things that's like historically very um it, it, you just feel that one right yeah uh and so Knowing, but knowing also like the context around and like Susan being like, yeah, we went there and watched Ella Fitzgerald or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem to me like Susa is <laughs> like this man, you know? Right, right. It's just, you know, the white people in the 40s were right. all just a little bit racist. Like they right. were. They all had some, because of the way society was. Right, right. Um, and so, I don't know. It's It's just, it's interesting to watch. I don't think it's necessarily like, a thing that needs to have a deeper like moment or lesson. Sure. It's sure. just like, this is also a thing that would have happened if they were, you know. Right. I think another thing just about like the times, like something that you were talking about James earlier, just about like, you know, is it like a correct representation kind of thing mm. um, of things? I think the other thing to consider here is that like they are being hunted, right? By Isodyne mm. and like their folks. And it's like a thing of, even outside of that world, like trying to find a safe space is also tough from people who don't know what's happening because there's still other reasons that people, I mean, Stark says it, oh, he says it later, but like Stark mentions, you know, something about like, you know, how, um, how he would be targeted, you know, how oh, he would yeah. be, you know, seen in, in another episode, light yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, well, you the know? next time we talk to Tay, uh, Stark yeah. will say about the reason. Stark yeah. will say something mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. But I mean, like, I, I think that's, um. A, a a a point of just like being exactly about being like you're not going to find nothing but the um uh I keep going to say Griffith not not the Griffith what's the other hotel Dunbar 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 thank you um yeah you're not going to find nothing but Dunbars you know right uh, it's going to be kind of a mixed bag I I think the 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 reason this is. Uh, like there's a trivia for this episode where it's like this is the first time where like sort of the the concept of racism is brought up on this show and uh i don't know that that i mean like so so uh like blatantly i guess yeah right but like it's really interesting to kind of go back to like like hunt and all those people are after them like a a group of frankly white men are trying mm-hmm. to kill this guy right strictly because 
he's a witness to this correct zero matter stuff and yeah. nothing else yeah like it's a weird thing to have it be like they take this they take in, in season one uh the Dottie and and her the russian hypnotist guy it's a weird it's a good season but it's hard to talk about in sort of quick notes sure uh take this this cop hostage and he's a he's a black cop right and there and it's it doesn't feel like there's any sort of undertones of like no. white supremacy it's literally it's like he's the cop that pulled us over right and so this is the first time well where it's i don't know it's just weird that we're on the run from someone who wants to kill us and this specific instance is what yeah. caused the racism. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, I think it's a good example of like, there's many different types of evil, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, the car that Peggy gets is basically the Captain America's motorcycle, but for being a womanizing playboy. It has all these buttons on it that do various things, and they're instead of being like a flamethrower, it's like champagne, um, which is funny. Isn't it yeah. just a Howard Stark's car? But Jarvis lends Peggy to use for going to this meeting. Why did he give her that car? I think probably all Stark cars are probably that way. To be honest, but he said, didn't he say? No, it's called this is- the Leisure Mobile. Yeah, yeah, and it has all sex things in it. <laughs> I would have loved to see them use it to get away and all of the sex things come in handy for escaping killers. Yeah, that'd be fun. Like, like oh, they're shooting at us. Hits the button and like the yeah. seat goes back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it's like a lube uh, oil spill. Jesus. Yeah, you said you did oh, that's say that. What? You, okay, hang on. You said all the sex things and I can't say the word lube. I don't did know. That would just they do so much more as visceral. one of the buttons? No, but I'm just saying, like, if there was a lube oil spill, like, sure. if you could, no, yeah. you know, like, you're you mentioned wrong, a flamethrower on but it's the like, other thing. Right, but flamethrower was something that was actually on the motorcycle, and the seat going back was something that was actually introduced in the oh, car. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize our show didn't do bits. That's crazy to me. I, did I don't I know what you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what it was is that I'm asexual, okay? And so some sure. things I'm like, yeah, brain fine about this. And then you said lube, and I was like, eh. <laughs> I'm not even saying that they use it. I'm just saying. No, I know, but just like the concept of. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm not trying to shut down any bits at all. I think that uh, I just I would want, never it was surprising to go zero to sixty, if you will. Mm-hmm. Car reference. Zero to sixty. So quick. Yeah. It's a zero to sixty-nine, go. if you yeah. will. Um, <laughs> nice. And Nissan. Nissan. That's well, I don't know. Um, <laughs> nice. So uh, there, there's uh, the the woman at the club sings uh, I Want to Be Loved, which is uh, back in the 30s. Now that's what I call music. I think I talked about this in Music 1931. Was basically these movies and plays that were like, here's some songs. You're not going to hear them anywhere else because there's no recorded music. But here's the here's the review for, for all these songs that this guy wrote. And then like they would update it uh, over the years. Because mm-hmm. this was I Want to Be Loved was from the 1933 version of the 1931 uh, movie called Billy Rose's Crazy Quilt. And they also had names like Billy Rose's Crazy Quilt. Um, (laughs) 
And then uh, there, it, it also appeared in two. It like it didn't appear. It wasn't like on recordings or anything. It was in these two movies. Uh, uh, the uh, bro- oh, the Vitaphone. So that was actually probably a record. Anyway, forget it. Um, the Griffith, the Griffith Observatory. This is a. This is I think this can be like my last thing before Marvelicious. So the Griffith Observatory. Wilkes talks about how he used to uh, come up here when he was a kid. Come up to the Griffith Observatory when he was a kid because he could, like. Wait, no, he didn't. This actually checks out. Here's my thinking. It opened in 1935. Mm-hmm. So I was remembering his story wrong. I thought he said, when I was a kid, I used to come up here to like center myself. You can see the stars. I can see where I came from. That was when he was in, in like college and, and, and whatever. So I was like, so wait, 10 years ago, he was like, a, he was referring to himself as a kid. How old is this guy? But it's fine. It's probably, it's fine. It's fine. So, so never mind on that. Okay. Uh, and. Uh, Peggy throws a lot of guns at him, just randomly throwing like, here, take this one, um, which is weird. Uh, they drive through a tunnel that I did confirm is the tunnel in Back to the Future 2 where Biff almost runs Marty off the road. And apparently the Griffith Observatory is included in that. Like that counts as a scene at the Griffith Observatory. So uh, there's a list of movies and TV shows that take place at the Griffith Observatory. Did confirm that Back to the Future and Back to the Future 2 were there. Uh, and then finally, oh no, two more things. Uh, a throwaway line that Sousa says, who's this clown? And we cut to a literal clown sitting at the talent agency. That, that was very been. funny. Yeah. Who's this clown cut to a clown is uh, classic, simple, and always funny. It's the one of the only clown things that's always funny. I would agree um, with that because I hate clowns. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, can you imagine, and th- Colin, no. this is going to be, uh, this is the seed of a guest of a hostion that I have for you for the next episode that we record on Sunday. But can you imagine your Wilkes and you're about to steal this dangerous thing. And then all of a sudden a famous actress, <laughs> <laughs> like you're in Hollywood, right. He's like, stars around you were in you an industrial chemical factory and like Julia Roberts or something <laughs> is like, what's up? I have a gun. Right. You're like, where are we? Is this like a what's going on? Are this, is this are we, punked? Is this That's punked? Nineteen forties punk reference. They wouldn't call it punked in nineteen forty. Am I on fool? That meant something else. We um, got we got yeah. out on the on the Wilk stuff, um, but yeah. I want to talk about the end of this episode really quickly because yeah. I think it is a really good just like portrayal of shock for Peggy yeah. to be like. Here's everything that happened. And Susan's like, yeah. go home. You've experienced yeah. a lot. Yeah. And then she's like near tears and she's like, Mr. Jobs, could you please drive me home? Can I trouble you for a ride home? Is what she yeah. says. And I'm like, oh God, Peggy. Peggy, no. Re- Peggy. <laughs> she retreats back into her her Britishing with the fellow Brit. Mm. We talked about how like they, when they're alone, they're the most British. Yeah. And it's mm. it's a little bit of a of a code switching deal where like she's like comfort. British, there's a British guy. I'm going to be like, could I trouble you? Please, you know, yeah. Colin would be saying in it or something like that. Uh, (laughs) But also, uh, yeah, the info dump. I do want to point out that she says that she they entered at about 4 a.m., which does mean that the that there was a point where technically, technically, we should have cut it and then started the day. Oh, at some point. Uh, and we've it's done that It's not night till you go to sleep. 
And that's what Colin has said. There was <laughs> one time when it didn't make sense to let it ride right, as long it ride, as it did. Because it doesn't stop, actually, is what it is. Sure. This was so similar. I was like, it's like light out. Uh, right. But Also, yeah. how long has it been? Because weren't they meeting at like seven or something? Yeah. yeah, I think so. It's been so many hours. Take cars were so slow. Take <laughs> <laughs> cars were slow. They they drove like by that time like a maximum of sixty miles per hour I think like if you had like a good model car sure yeah there's a a, a Simpsons thing where uh, Burns and Homer or someone or sideshow Bob or whatever they're in like an original Wright Brothers plane going very very slowly Just... and these fighter pilots keep like flying past and they're like we can't get a, a lock on them because they're going t- too slow. <laughs> And that's that's what I imagine. The, like the leisure mobile, all these things, it's so slow. Like it's it, leisure it does not because go it's so right. slow. Yeah, it's exactly. Slow. It takes a long. Yeah. Honestly, they probably did them a favor slashing their tires because they got to drive a faster car. Right. Right. Uh, I love that so, Peggy can hotwire cars. Yeah, hotwiring so feels like. Wait, we talked about this on an episode with the most or your yes. your pop filter. The most. It was. What do you think is the is the what looks the fakest but is an actual real thing? And I definitely said hot wiring a car. Yeah, mm. it feels like picking a lock is close. When Jason Wilkes picks, oh yeah, we picks like that like fancy drawer drawer like, lock, yeah, or whatever, and it like mm-hmm. pops out. I'm like, that's simply I, not. Yeah, I will never make picking a lock work ever in my life, ever, ever. I but do when think I get it's... glasses, maybe. So. Despite actually seeing how it works, by the way, I've I've watched like a whole video about it where they like fully cut a lock in yeah. half so you can see. Yeah, it. And, and I'm like, that makes total it's sense. Just it's still bullshit, right? But I'm always like, it's it's still bullshit. It doesn't exist. Well, yeah. the That's way funny. that drawer specifically just popped out like it was oh, yeah. on an yeah. eject button, like that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. And also, it was a file cabinet. That was that step- the only drawer that worked well. in that whole file cabinet? That part's you know movie magic. <laughs> I well I don't know because the that particular kind of 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 it's not a dresser uh, file no, file cabinet. But they usually have one single lock. Yeah, that's got yeah, like a but just that basically. one drawer popped up. <laughs> it's it it was True. on a spring. Sure, um, sure, sure, sure. They used to use it to fling snakes at people, but they ran out of snakes. So wow. let's um, no, that's a Hydra thing, huh? No. All right, so on. let's yeah. do um. <laughs> I just did a couple, just a couple more. Yeah, in your mind, I saw it. Yeah, yeah. we saw, we saw it moving. (laughs) All right, so let's move on to uh, the segment of our show, which is Mm, Marvelicious. So, James, what are we eating today and/or drinking? Colin, so much, just so much. Really a lot. We see. I have consumed my cookies. I was planning on on saving. So the first thing we see is that Violet has brought cookies. Mm -hmm. Um, I did a quick visual analysis. They are a brown cookie, and that's pretty much as far as it goes. I made the judgment calls that there were no chips, uh, too dark for sugar, not red enough for ginger snaps, uh, one uniform color, so not snickerdoodles, therefore peanut butter cookies, and that's what I made. Mm. What kind of cookies did you all make or eat? Okay. I had uh, what what is technically like a chocolate chip cookie, but I did without any sort of chips in them. Mm. Um, and then I toasted the butter. So it's like, it's technically, I got it off of Starbucks. 
because they I just happened to see like a Starbucks like cookie ad for their toasted white chocolate mocha. And so I was like, like I'll butter? make that. And I don't have what? Is it like brown butter? Is that what you yeah, mean? brown butter. Oh yeah, um, brown butter rules. It really does. And it made, honestly, the dough is like better than eating the cookie. <laughs> it's really <laughs> good. Um, and it smells amazing too, as a other plus. So it's basically just like a brown butter chocolate chip cookie without the chocolate chips, which mm. um, Johnny Sun has recommended, if you know who that is. That is the uh, artist guy, right? That, that yeah, he was like yeah. a Twitter personality, and then he oh, was yes, a writer yes. and yeah. um, an artist, and he's a genius. Yeah, or genius. Yes. Can uh, do you have no Sanyas? Okay, oh. um, Sanyas. <laughs> uh, Tay, do you have a a cookie there that you could show? No, because me? I I was like, yeah. are we supposed to? Actually, I do, but I would have to go get it. Um, because I take a did... picture later. Okay, yeah. I did make four. And then they became massive. And I was like, well, yeah. I can't eat both of those. Um, uh, so, yes. I wasn't sure if we were supposed to eat them during the show or not. I was like, this isn't a food podcast. We're still sort of figuring things out. Sure. Um, so Colin told me to eat it before, so I ate them before. Yeah. They were delicious, Because it's better to, for me to not have the mouth sounds. Right. That's that's what I figured. James. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> James eats a cookie during the podcast. <laughs> Uh, mine was, uh, I was going to make a recipe from Betty Crocker, but I opened it up and it just looked so, so much. And I did so much for when I made scones. So yeah. You made this scones? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. First time made scones. They, they were good. Great. Um, I put raisins and dried apricots in them because I like both of those. That's um, very scone-like. Yeah. Uh, I went and bought the bag, uh, Betty Crocker, still Betty Crocker, brand loyal, unless she was... She's fake. She's made up. Forget it. Um, <laughs> for peanut butter cookies, made it. It just take, it took uh, olive, uh, no, water, oil, and an egg. Uh, and I, they, it was too sticky, but they came out really good. It was too um, sticky. Yeah. Colin, Colin? Uh, what was your cookie situation? Uh, my cookie situation was I was considering going out to buy the stuff to make some, but then when I went to the bakery to get my eclairs, they also, because they bake stuff there, obviously, mm. right? It's a pastry shop. They had a boatload of cookies, um, and I did go chocolate chip just because they were uh, salted sea salt chocolate chip. Mm. And the person was like, "They just came out like ten minutes ago," and I was like, "Ten minutes yeah, ago? Oh, they're, they're, you're nice uh, and hot. I mean, they're nice and hot." So I I took two of them, uh, and I ate one this morning with an eclair, and then also ate another one right before we recorded tonight. I've had yes. so much sugar today, I'm probably Same. going to crash. Uh, but I also ate an eclair, and I have a second one for breakfast tomorrow. So, very nice. Yeah, let's move. Let's shift subtly into eclairs, uh, and then yeah. we'll get to to the drinks uh, after that. Um, uh, yeah, talk about your your eclair experience. Any part of it that you want to talk about? Sure. I got a. Uh, so I technically got two eclairs. I got a traditional one that I'm going to have tomorrow because I've had them before. So sure. I know what they're like, right? But I right. did also get uh, on recommendation a uh, vanilla cranberry uh, can candied carrot, which kind of tasted almost like oh carrot cake, God. right? Um, Eclair, and it it ruled. It like I don't know how else to say. It. Like <laughs> it just it was so good. It was like all the best parts of an Eclair minus the chocolate, and mm. then with like a little bit of like tangy you know, stuff going on mm -hmm. with like the cranberry, the cranberry and then the sweet. So it was good. very sure. good. Yeah. And the candied carrot was like great because it was just like little slivers of 
of uh, of carrot, Carrots, you know, yeah. like like uh, shavings of carrot that they yeah. candied up like you would with like a, a jalapeno or bacon even, you know, wow. um, and they put that on. So it's just sort of like crusting it kind of thing. It was very good. Colin, what's one more thing you can candy? Don't say yams. What? M's? Don't say yams. Don't say yams. Oh, don't say yams. But you um, can candy yams. You can yeah. candy yams, but I want Colin to. You can, to... can, can. Can uh, pecans. Okay, Ooh, fair pecans. good one. Good. Um, <laughs> how much can? Okay. Uh, nope. uh, Tay, did you did you do a eclair? Did you eat an eclair? I did not get an eclair. Okay. You're okay. lucky. I did cookies. I am me lucky homework. that you were on the show, Tay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that was very Thank sweet you. of me. All right, so I went to a uh, a pastry shop. I got lost, and I thought that I was at it, and I was actually in the parking lot of a local school. Oh no! Okay, okay, uh, but those look very different from pastry. They shops. do. I thought they that do. there was an ROTC uh, building outlying building, which I thought was I thought was really weird, um, but then it wasn't a pastry shop. Then mm-hmm. it turned out that the, the, where the pastry shop was was right next to this Mediterranean cafe where we've been a bunch of times. Where if I'd gone the way I wanted to, it would have been right there. But instead, I took this circuitous route all the way around Leesburg to. To get to the place where I could have just gone straight, anyways. Yeah. Um. So I had pre-ordered online, uh, as I'm want to do, being on the internet as I am. Sure. And uh, they did not have. They said my order was ready. Uh, I got there and I said I'm here to pick up my order, and they put my order together right there, which was fine. <laughs> Everything was fine. It was all fine. Uh, my eclair <laughs> was delicious. I was telling Yay. Colin that uh, I, as I was eating it. Immediately upon returning home, I thought to myself, I've been eating pastries wrong. Yep. Mm, all of exactly the donuts and all of the everything I've eaten, I've been wrong about because wow. this is how this should be. Wow. Um, does Kingpin, do we do cannolis when when Kingpin's growing up? Yeah, we definitely do. Good. Good, good, good. Oh, no, wait. I think we do cannolis later. I believe we do Zupa when he's growing Zupa, up. Zupa, yeah. There's for sure that because I have a link because I didn't know what that was. So right. I just was I'm, like, I'm pretty Wikipedia. sure cannoli is later. Zupa? Okay. I could be wrong. Soup is like an Italian uh, yeah, like soup. wedding cake, I think, technically, right? Wedding is that soup. what it's yeah, called? Wedding cake soup. Yeah. Wedding cake soup? Zupa. Not wedding cake soup. There's like a wedding soup. Yeah, wed- there, wedding. Is, there is Italian wedding soup. Italian, Italian wedding, wedding soup. soup. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is Zupa not soup? <laughs> Italian. <laughs> that sounds awful, actually. It does <laughs> wedding cake soup. Honestly, <laughs> like, no. Think about it. Think about it. It could be good. Zupa inglese. Uh, Italian dessert layered custard and sponge cake. It's kind of like trifle. Whoa. It's like the Italian version. My mind is blown. Uh, but Zupa in English does mean soup. Right. Okay. So so I think that's why it's called Zupa Inglés because it's like, here's what it is. Ready? Zupa? This is great. I mean, we'll have to cut all this. But yes, yes, yes. The original name was called Zupa del Duca, which is the Duke's soup, um, which is basically Duke making a... Trife, a trifle, right? Kind of like cake. So, but it was made in like a deep bowl, kind of like, yeah. like uh, giant bowl on like a uh, thing. So it was a like trifle's soup, made of bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, but sure, it's sure, like, sure. yeah, that because makes it's sense because it's yeah. sweet and it's like big for like a yeah. duke. So that's okay. where it came from. I feel better having known a duke. That. Yeah, dukes having big appetites, duke-sized appetites. Well, it's more that they get the fancy I too stuff. I am but. a duke and will take my three coins. Mm. You're a duking, hmm? Mm, I'm a duke. I coo you. Hmm. <laughs> that was truly a bit for Colin. <laughs> yeah. That was a bit for just us. James is elated. Fun. 
I, I love inside jokes. Love <laughs> um, so uh, now we're on to drinks because they do go to the Dunbar and uh, Wilkes does the thing which could be creepy if someone else was doing it, mm-hmm. but it didn't feel creepy where he's like, I'm having a gin Ricky and she's like, I'm here to investigate. And he's like, you'll also one have more gin Ricky, please. And she's um, like, no. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, come on, it'll be cool. She's to like, investigate with drink. Is yeah. what she means. Right. Uh, Peggy, and so then please, you're in public. They <laughs> get, uh, so there's gin Ricky, which we can is basically here. I'll just do the quick, the quick and, easy definition of it um is it is an, uh, originally created with bourbon in washington dc by bartender george a williamson in the 1880s uh the guy colonel joe ricky he's a colonel but not the kind you want him to be like Sanders? he would be in the 1880s in dc uh so it is here's the instructions from a 1903 bartender's encyclopedia gin ricky use a sour this from page 57 just so you know. Okay. Uh, gin Ricky, use a sour glass. Squeeze the juice of one lime into it. One small lump of ice. One wine glass of Plymouth gin. Fill the glass with siphon seltzer and serve with a small bar spoon. I don't know if you serve eat the spoon. Serve it with or... the spoon? No, yeah, yeah. you don't eat the spoon, James. Is a bar spoon like a, like a, like a no, dessert? It's a, no, it's generally it's like a stirring spoon. Right, yeah. I guess if it's a, but it, it says in a wine glass? I think that wine is the like, wine glass is the measurement, right? Oh, interesting. Right. Yeah. So I wonder. Well, because his was definitely in like a it was in a rocks glass, right? So a lot of the times they're in like the I don't know what these are called, but like you the know, skinny tall like ones, the skinny kind of that's a Collins kind of, glass. That might be it. Hang on, I'm gonna send you an actual picture. Real Which quick. would make um, Colin really like that, or like what? So there, there's two different types of glasses. One's one's a little bit more like. It kind of pans out a little bit at the bottom, and then the other ones are like the perfectly cylindrical ones. Hang on one second. Uh, that's just James. Hang on, here's James and Tay. It's like that. That's the oh, that, that's it's a like a little, like it's, in. it's like a little sh- like a skinny but also fat. It's like my water glasses. Yeah, at my house. Yeah, okay. I don't know what that's like, called. Kind of that's a, not a Collins. Very glass. similar to what like a mojito would be served. Sure. In. Right. Well, you could put a mojito in a Collins glass, though. Yeah. True. True. I mean, yeah, I, I guess, mean a bar yeah. a bar spoon would make sense with that, but like they don't most. I mean, it's the forties. Maybe they gave out bar spoons. Like <laughs> I, I think that, that you because I think though. you you would return the cup and the sure spin. sure 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 sure. But so even so, like what spoons, are you though. what are you stirring with if you give it if you're giving out like you have that many bar spoons that you can give them out to everyone? I mean, orders I think it's a lot like having a restaurant, right? Like you know, how many forks and knives do you give out with your dinners? You know, they were originally called that dumb is a bar fair spoons. Point. What'd you say, James? I'm sorry. Get they were out. originally called Dunbar spoons. He's so okay. proud of himself. Look at his face. So <laughs> they were at the Dunbar. You listen, James got the the straight edge version. Um, oh, so uh, yeah. In, in introduction, I want to quote uh, this. Uh, there's a, a list of pop culture places where gin rickies have appeared because Wikipedia rules. One of them is in The Simpsons, but I'm for the sake of time, I'm going to forego The Simpsons. Thank you. Uh, the Glenn Miller Orchestra had a song called Jukebox Saturday Night, which doesn't sound like a Glenn Miller Orchestra song. It does sound like a you know, like a village people song. But uh, the line quoted uh, is mopping up soda pop Rickies to our heart's delight, dancing to swingaroo quickies, jukebox Saturday night. So the concept of a soda pop Ricky, which does seem like it is uh, seltzer water on the rocks with lime in it. lime, yeah. Which, you know, refreshing. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, I did add the uh, Dolce and Ciabatta 
which is the place I bought my pastries from. Dolce uh, and ciabatta. Yeah, yeah. They also is it, that that's I real. I need, yeah, I need to eat there more because it was like a deli. I thought it was just like a, a pastry place, but it had like sandwiches and stuff too. Yeah. My mind. Yeah. This <laughs> um, They had a number of uh, soda pops there. Soda pops is what we call them because we listen to Glenn Miller. And uh, I had an orange soda today at, with lunch, which tasted a little bit like soap or candle, which wasn't as offensive as it might have been to eat. To uh, I, I drank it to drink. <laughs> Um, and, uh, okay. I'm like you humans. I drink my drinks. Uh, I so, but I did the glass. What? <laughs> uh, I did, uh, get this, uh, green bee, ginger buzz, fresh ginger, honey, and coriander soda. Um, it has a bee on it on the, on the cap. Uh huh. Um, and I'm going to have it here. Uh, it does have. So wait, I'm sorry, what's floating in, it? in it? Yeah. So, what's, pulp. what is It'll that? Pulp. It would be it would be pulp from like the lime. The stuff. ginger probably. It says and settling ginger, is natural. Gently roll gently to mix. Wait, what? It this is not a gin, Ricky. Yeah, I was gonna say it's James. This I is... saw the word ginger and then I bought it because I had to have a minimum amount of money that I spent and the eclairs were only four and I didn't know we were buying two of our things, uh, two eclairs. Okay, listen, I wasn't going to originally. You back off. Uh, <laughs> also, I love that. Like, I really thought this whole time that you found a version that was yeah. just like the straight edge. And you're just drinking. You're just a drinking drink. with ginger soda. Yeah, that's I not. Never, I never advertised that I was getting a a, a gin Ricky straight edge version. Soda. I thought you were making like the soda version of it. Yeah. I was like, wow, that's so impressive. This has carbonated water. That's in a gin Ricky. Fresh okay. gin, and it, that's... <laughs> I hope the mic caught that because that was really good, James. <laughs> a non-GMO citric acid, like we use in the lab. Okay, so, um, I'm gonna have it here. Sure. We waited all Take this time, and you're just drinking Listen, ginger I was not soda. Trying to, I was not trying to. Uh... Now, here's what the disappointment will be: if this tastes just like ginger ale, I'm gonna be a little disappointed. I it's love gonna be ale. harder than ginger ale for sure. For sure, with like because it's it's got like sediment yes. in it. Yeah, that's true. I assume it's gonna it's gonna be a pretty on the plains when I drink my ginger ale. Yeah, it's gonna be a pretty pretty. It's probably gonna be ginger beer y. But maybe yeah. a little lighter because it's a soda. Ginger berry. Cool. Yummy. No. That's not what you said. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. It also, it smells like specifically my dad's shampoo. Cheers. Oh, okay. Do it. Why did Just I say that? Drink I it. Don't know. <laughs> um, Dies. That's, that's interesting. It, it It's pretty good. It does sort of hit like a ginger ale, but then... Like with focaccia bread in it. Like if you fascinating <laughs> focaccia bread. In what way? Flavor, Not texture, herb. Is is coriander herb. a thing that you would put on focaccia bread? You probably I, could. Probably. Yeah, I don't know. What else is in it? One more time. Sorry. I know. Uh, I'm, carbonated I'm water, honey, it. fresh ginger, coriander, citric acid, which is non-GMO. <laughs> citric acid it's is non-GMO. Coriander yeah. probably tastes a little I mean, mixed. I mean, that's yeah, that's like very that. much an herb. Like, yeah, that's an that's an herb herb. You know what I'm saying? Herbs and spices. This is good, but also I will not um, oh. be drinking it again. Right. <laughs> sure. Like it's spicy yeah. in a way that I don't care for, which I never. Yeah, thought that's the thing. ginger. Spicy. Yeah. Ginger is spicy. Yeah. So anyways, uh, then Wild. the other thing was. Uh, 
Um, a neat whiskey, which Peggy says after she starts to get, uh, oh, sorry, a whiskey neat. Right. I don't know if it was neat if the whiskey itself was like in a cool bottle no, or whatever. Okay. It just means that um, there's nothing in it. I know. Um, I know. Okay. You're uh, just being difficult. Uh, yes. <laughs> I, and Colin, you, did you, what was, what are you going to do for this? What I already your... had it. I had it before we recorded. It's just um, like, it's like sipping on whiskey. Yeah. It's like sipping whiskey. Oh, basically. now I understand what it is. Um, which so, I had basically like with my dinner. I just right. had, had a little thing. Um, and also technically I've had it before on this show because they have had yeah. whiskey on other, other, right. other episodes. So we, we I'll did, uh, there, there was a thing I almost messaged you about where they had a, a drink at the arena club and I was like, all right. We yeah, don't need sure. to have a Marvelicious every time anyone has just a like drink a with drink, someone yeah. at a bar. Yeah. Oh, right. my God. The one thing I want to say about the Arena Club is when they all licked out the candles, that was, like, really weird. Yeah. All of them in some sort – it was, like, threatening. And then they they all – they just really got – all of them got really in their fingers with their tongues. And I don't was like, you feel this like is a lot. That's like a – like, I feel like my dad and his generation are like, look what I can do with the flame of this candle. Yeah. Ha. Look ha. how I master fire. I think what it was is they were like, we have so much generational trauma that we can't feel this. Mm. Uh, and we're going to pass the it to The silent generation. And we the simply Bernie won't generation. address it. Yeah. Yeah. But the I Bernie can burn generation. out this candle. Welcome to Encanto. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, is that everything, James? So is that everything, James? Is whiskey... I We did an entire Unabashedly Obsessed episode about it, and I'm trying to remember... About whiskey? About whiskey, yeah. Where I was not... Uh, we had a guest, and uh, she and Aaron drank whiskey, and I smelled whiskey to see mm. if it smelled fine. And then the last thing was Fireball, and I was like, "Yeah, smelled that." Um, oh, is there's a smoky fireball. element yes, to? It's yes, it's smoky. Yeah. So I was thinking about making myself a cup of like Lapsang Souchong tea, which has another, which is also sort of a smoky uh, tea. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, then I didn't because I had so many drinks that were doing so many things, and I was sure. buying yeah. tea and stuff. But for sure, great. So well, that was mm, marvelous. <laughs> Good podcast. Well, why don't we head out west? Head, hey, Colin. Yeah. Why don't you head out west and uh, and do some uh, some closing up of this show while Absolutely. I finish my green bee ginger buzz soda? Go for it. Green bee sponsored by no, not green at all. bee. We'll send the invoice. Not a natural color for a bee. Certainly isn't. Uh, Okay, here we go. If you would like to hear about more stuff from this show and find out about episodes and whatnot, go to at TimelineScav on Twitter because it's still alive. Uh, If you'd like to follow the network that we're a part of, you can follow at ScavengersNet. If you want to follow me specifically to talk to me about whiskey or getting multiple types of eclairs for whatever reasons that you might have, uh, you can at me at Colin M. Parker. If you want to talk to James about green bee, weird tea, whatevers, uh, and also about bar spoons, Dunbar mm. spoons, maybe. Dunbar spoons. Um, you can talk to James at? Uh, at Unabashed James. And you can also invest in my new uh, company, Green Bee, Green Bee Sweet Tea and Things. Wow. Good. Green Bee Weird uh, Tea and Things. If you would like to talk to Tay about how crazy it is to not crazy hang on let's let's use a different word how wild it is to just jump into a tv show with just one episode and no context and then also to watch maybe just one more just for funsies uh (laughs) and whether or not you should continue on with the show or not uh at at taycro t-a-y-y-c-r-o is me on literally all social medias um except for twitch in which i'm it's taycro because i couldn't get (laughs) taycro 
Uh, and then, of course, there is Nick Bramall, the guy who made the music that you hear at the beginning and the end of the show, uh, who is at N-B-R-A-M-A-L-D, or nickbramalldcomposer.co.uk. He would know what lapsang Suchong Chi is. Because he's British. Goodbye, James. Goodbye, James. Of course. It's and a they, real tea. Right, no, I know, and they right stole now. a lot of stuff. I get it. Um, so, <laughs> sorry. That's British, you know, because of... The, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, so and thank you so much for... you words that aren't English. Go ahead. No, I meant, okay, not me. That's about, okay, whatever. Uh, thank <laughs> I you so saw much your face for... when I said it. You're like, hmm, those aren't words that are in my language. <laughs> that's okay. Oh, <laughs> my God. I have to go. <laughs> we need to leave. Uh, thank you so much for joining us here on Timeline Scavengers. As always, I'm Colin Parker. I'm James Anderson. I'm Tay. Excelsior. Before you guys do mm. more bits, I need to close my window. Okay. Sure. <laughs> it's cold in here. Feels like we should just do more bits. We should do more while bits. While she does the Okay, quick. Window. How many bits can we do before Tay gets back? Um, All right. Do you think Foghorn Leghorn would be immediately canceled today? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Is that yeah. what you were going to say? Yeah. that's what I was well, going to say. say yeah. he, shouldn't, he shouldn't be mentioned in the same episode. Um, I say I say I am not a modern a bit. character. Yeah. Whew. All right. I mean, uh, so. Yeah. I don't know.